Welcome, ladies and gents, to the Grim and Bloody Podcast. This show is a presentation of horror, thriller, and suspense, and is intended for mature audience. Join us at your own risk. Well, thank you for joining the Grim and Bloody podcast as we start a new month, February. Uh, tonight, we have a horror thriller film that is streaming right now on Amazon Prime, The Inhabitant, directed by Jaron Lauder, and writer is Kevin Bakar, who is joining us tonight. Welcome, Kevin. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Absolutely. Let me go ahead and introduce my cohorts. Joe Flynn, how are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing fantastic. Kevin, as always, welcome in. Thank you. Thank you. I I had to do some research on Lizzie Borden, one of my favorite subjects for, uh, you know, for this film. And I'll tell you, Kevin, you couldn't pick a a better starting point than that crazy, uh, you know, crazy (laughs) old witch. (laughs) Alamega, host of Creature Features. How you doing, Al? I'm holding on. You know, I was uh, friends with uh, Lizzie Borden on Facebook, but her account got hacked. So, oh, uh, damn. Uh, oh, uh, here we go. Look, uh, I, I don't know yeah. you, Al, but I'm not talking to you the rest of the podcast. Okay. Can we one of those shows, Kevin? I just know it. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, can you, Kevin, can you do something? You're a writer. Can you do something about Al's jokes? You know, uh, I, I would have to get in the DeLorean and go back in time and. and possibly separate their, his parents before they met. I think that's the only thing. That, oh, see, there you go. There you go. Alf, we're giving him the DeLorean. All right, so, you know. Hey, I've always been very science-oriented. In fact, I just found a scientific paper that found that uh, they found out that you can actually crossbreed moths and goats. Go ahead. What, what do you get? Goth kids. Uh, <laughs> now, 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 seriously, uh, Kevin, can you turn off his mic at any point? Or what, oh, yeah, I can. Anthony, 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 go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, Kevin, the writer, not often we have two Kevins on the show. Uh, the Inhabitant, it was a good movie. Um, while I was watching it, um, I wasn't familiar with Odessa Ayazin, or Azen, the name. However, I knew her face. I'm horrible at names, but if I see a face and then five years down the line, I see that face again, somewhere in the back of my head, it's going to say, I've seen that person before. And the whole time I was watching, I'm like, God, I've seen, I've seen this person before. I've seen this actress before. And it wasn't until I brought the IMDb page for Inhabitant, I looked up the, the, the leading actors. She was in uh, Hellraiser 2022. She played the lead actress. On, on Hellraiser, which I found was, I don't know if it will stand as a reboot of the franchise, but it was better than probably the last three iterations. I really enjoyed that gritty grunge feel it had with the actors. Like they felt almost down and out, relatable. You know, it, they weren't some. The problem, I don't want to talk about the franchise too much, but I, I think the casting of Odessa in that film. Um, kind of grounded it in in a way that it was very much needed and that's how it felt in the inhabitant as 
she grounded the film so even with the 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 high premise you know lizzie borden you have all these supernatural forces um yeah, she brings the, a gravity to the role that it, it keeps you uh, engaged, and and as she's experiencing it, you're experiencing it. I'm, I'm sure that that was the goal of the film. Yeah, no, uh, we really had some great actors working on the film. Uh, Odessa, that another great young actress who plays her best friend Susie, uh, is uh, Lizzie Broadway, who's on the new. You could catch her on Amazon uh, Prime. She's in the boys spinoff. I forget the name of it, but she's in that. Uh, in fact, uh, at one point she was up for the lead role, uh, but Odessa ended up getting it and it worked out great. Uh, I mean, it was a nice balance between Odessa and Lizzie, these two great young actresses. And then we had these sort of more veteran actors with uh, Dermot Mulroney and uh, Leslie Bibb playing the parents. So it was a great mix, but uh, Odessa just brought it. She she was she got it. She understood the character, the layers that uh, were there, uh, and and just acted her heart out. Well, let's let's not let's not underplay this. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, too much. You literally brought two veteran stars and, and scene stealers into this uh, into this production. Leslie Bibb, I've been following her since you know since her Christine Everhart Iron Man, yes. uh, you know movies. She is a a tremendous um, emotional uh, you know immersive actor, and she really gives it her all. This is like Susan Terrell level of of psychosis um, as Emily. And then you got her, you got Dermot Mulroney, and I know you you have stuff to talk about because you could have had Dermot Mulroney for longer, uh, and you'll you'll probably talk about that. But you have two stars who are just give me you know give me the script, I'll take it from there. Yeah, no, and, and don't forget Leslie Bibb. Uh, she in one of my favorite roles uh, in Talladega Nights, she plays Ricky yes. Bobby's wife. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love that. Shake and bake. That's baby. a funny movie. That's a funny yeah, movie. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, no, uh, no, it, it was such a great uh, uh, cast. Uh, and uh, I think we were talking before uh, we started the recording was that, I, I mean, it was amazing considering we shot this kind of uh, like right in the middle of the pandemic, right, you know, in, in end of 2020. And uh, we had a, a COVID test every day, of course, we had to follow protocols and mm -hmm. We ended up getting a false positive, but we didn't know it was a false positive at the time. So we had to shut, shut down the the shoot and the set. And uh, we lost Dermot for part of the shoot. Uh, you know, we were supposed to have him for whatever, eight to 10 days, and we only had him for three. And yeah. uh, we had another actress to be the mom and she had to step away and Leslie Bibb came in uh, and nailed it. So uh, I'm uh, eternally grateful for those actors who ended up you know, putting the time in it during a time when uh, a lot of people didn't want to go out, you know, and and we were all there making this film and they, uh, they were there for it. Yeah, it's just, it, it's just tremendous uh, to watch. And when you finally see Leslie towards the end of the film, it is absolutely full throttle. She is scary. Uh, and,
which makes the denouement, and I won't spoil it for people, but it makes it very, kind of very satisfying in uh, uh, in a way, but also very sad. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's supposed to, you know, I, we were going for what a lot of people call elevated horror. Um, sure. You know, the films that are try to say a little more than your normal slash and dash. Uh, uh, it was a look at mental illness. It was a look at family dynamics, friendships, um, parents and, and children. So it was trying to look at other things uh, besides uh, being also a, hopefully a, a really scary movie. Oh, I thought the family dynamics was very strong. It reminded me of uh, the Babadook, if you remember that, the uh, yes. the mother yeah. and the child relationship. Um, yeah, uh, while I think maybe it's mentioned one or once or twice, you can tell the this family is on the fringe. Um, yeah, the the mother and father are on their way to Splitsville. You can see it's affecting uh, their children. Um, so it, it is, it's always unfortunate to see that. And then you, you throw in, as you say, um, the elevated horror, you're, you're throwing in the supernatural, um, uh, as well. Um, I, I thought that was all very, it was, it's a layered film. Um, it's one of those where there's maybe, I think there's a few jump scares. As Kevin mentioned, we won't give away any spoilers. There's a few jump scares. They, they're to serve. Uh, the film's purpose, right? They're not there to kind of wake you up. They they have meaning behind it. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely. It also reminded me a little bit of a Hereditary, that kind of family dynamic, which I enjoyed. Um, I do like watching kind of down to earth families experience, uh, you know, uncomfortable, unsettling things because that's really why we're watching a horror thriller. We're, we want to be unsettled, right? We want to feel that same uh, uncomfortable. Um, so I, I think on that level, it was a success. Oh, well, thank you so much. I mean, you know, you you strive to get to a certain place. And when uh, people like you watch it and, and enjoy it, it just makes it all worthwhile. Uh, Kevin, for you, uh, what was the hardest character to write about in this film? Uh, the hardest character to write? Uh, God, that's a great question. Uh, I think to a certain point, uh, Tara, the main uh, character, because I, I mean, she's a, a teenage 16, 17 year old uh, girl, and I am far from that. Uh, so uh, trying to get into that space, uh, I, I kind of followed what uh, uh, other people recommended. Go to YouTube, go to TikTok, see how people that age are talking. Uh, I have two teenage sons. I was listening to how they talk. And so it, it, it hopefully her dialogue came across as somebody that age in that space. Oh, trust me. Uh, I know we're far in between that age. It's like, excuse me. You want me to play a 16 year old? I cannot do it, sir. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> right. I can. <laughs> uh. Right there, the, Joe. You just said you, you tossed it up, and Al slammed it down. Yeah, so. It's called an alley oop. Yeah, <laughs> trust me, I'm as immature as I've ever been. So, as someone who's actually worked on a few films myself, uh, and you know, uh, all of us here at some point have sat down in, in front of the computer and said, "Gee, I want to write a horror movie," and so forth. So, uh, my question to you is: you know, you you wrote the, the script. 
and then you they started filming how much change was there in the script and did you get to have input on how they changed things because you know you, you lost some of the actors and so forth so there was some changing around here uh i had i they changed basically nothing i mean we we maybe changed a few things for budget I mean, there was a scene where, you know, a car gets smashed, all the windows get smashed and stuff. So it's like, hey, can we cut that out? That's going to, you know, take a little more time and a little expense and stuff like that. But overall, what you're seeing is kind of the film. Um, uh, there, there are some things, again, because of the COVID and we lost time that certain scenes got cut. Uh, but on the whole, you're seeing the script as it was written. I, and I was uh, on um, set. Uh, a lot of times writers aren't, uh, but I was. We shot it in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was on set because uh, I also had, wore a couple different hats. I, I shot it behind the scenes uh, because in my other life, I'm a cinematographer, uh, documentary producer. I do Shark Week and PBS oh, nice. Nature. Nice. Yeah, so I do uh, all that stuff. When you're watching that, it's like, who's that idiot in the water or filming that stuff? That's me. So I shot the behind the scenes uh for the uh the making of for the inhabitant and i also shot some second units so when you're watching the film and you're seeing some shots without the actors uh aerials and some shots of trees or so forth i ended up shooting that so uh um, so you're pretty heavily involved yeah exactly uh and and, and i also uh was the set photographer because uh you know again part of my background is uh photographer i, I worked at national geographic for 10 years and i I still do work for them. Wow, that that's really saying something. So you got along well with the uh, directors and so forth. Uh, There's no stepping on each other's feet. Uh, no, not at all. I mean, you know, with any time you're doing a film and it's a collaboration, you you sort of hit points where like you have differences of opinions, but it was always worked out. And 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 at the end of the day, everybody enjoyed the experience. Did you get to choose a direct? Like, uh, how much input did you have? Like, um, uh, uh, walk us through because we, uh, I love asking this uh, when we bring writers in <clears throat> to talk about films. Um, we've had a few that said, you know, I, I wrote the script, I sold the script, that was it. <laughs> right. yeah. um, um, look at Max Brooks, right? Completely disassociated himself uh, from World War Z, which is a crying shame because. Uh, his book was freaking amazing. Um, we've had writers that come in and, you know, they wrote the script, they sold it with a caveat that says, you know, I kind of want to be involved in production, maybe a cameo here and there. And uh, depending upon which studio they sold it to, you know, they maybe they acquiesce to his request. Um, but there's also some who, who will just butt heads with director, you know, nope. director saying, well, you hired me to do a job. This is how I envision your script. Um, and sometimes they have to find a compromise. Um, and Anthony, but, you know, there, there are there are writers out there, Stephen King, for uh, for example, who had a disastrous time with his uh, uh, with Kubrick's The Shining, yeah. and he, yeah. he had no control over it. So he had it put into his uh, contract with any future, um, you know, movie studios that if you want my uh, you know my work, I need to be involved, uh, you know, with it because. As, as it was going through, was Kubrick making uh, The Shining turned out to be a great film, but it had almost nothing to do with Stephen King. That's as crazy as it sounds, right? Because yeah. how popular yeah. uh, was the film? Uh, mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Exactly. Uh, but exactly. back back to yeah. you, Kevin. Uh, 
Tell me a little bit about the, because uh, I, I just love hearing this because uh, I'm also a writer, although I need to do more writing. Uh, talk to me about uh, how you, you came about with the script and uh, the next steps you took before it became a film. Sure. Uh, what happened was uh, I'd been writing screenplays, uh, had, you know, had some meetings off of them and so forth. Uh, and this is one of those things where, uh, and since you're a writer, you understand, uh, they'll tell you, you know, don't write to the market. Uh, write what yeah. write what you feel and and so forth, and that might be true. But the, the, and then the they actual, ask for super specific film types. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the reality though is, if you want to get a film made, low budget horror is your best route. You know, it's sort of that's going to get your most interest if you could do a low budget horror that resonates and works. So. Uh, I set out to write a, a, a basically a more of a low budget horror. I had written a horror film that had gotten me some meetings and gotten some traction and so forth, but it was a little more uh, up on the budget scale. Uh, so I said, let me write this specific uh, horror film that's a lower budget. And again, we talked about earlier my documentary background. So I had once done a documentary for the History Channel on the trial of Lizzie Borden. Uh, and so I was familiar with uh, the Lizzie, Borth, Lizzie Borden story. For those who aren't familiar, uh, in the late 1800s, uh, Lizzie Borden uh, was living in her house in um, Falls River, Massachusetts, and her father and stepmother were found hacked to death with an axe. Uh, and basically, all sides pointed to Lizzie committing the crime. And she went on trial and it was at the time, think about it, it was like the crime of the century. Um, sort of, it was the first types of use of forensics. There were there were crime scene photos. Uh, it became a, a really big trial and everybody was talking about it. Uh, Lizzie uh, was acquitted and uh, we looked at that in the film and, and the courtroom is still there and Lizzie's house is still there and it's a bed and breakfast that you could stay in which became a scene in the movie. People think that's like a made up scene in the film that, that you know, the Lizzie Borden house is a bed and breakfast, but no, you could stay in the Lizzie Borden house where these two people were murdered. Um, so I, I took, it was, I took what I learned from the Lizzie Borden documentary and kind of turned it into the script of the film, The Inhabitant. Um, and so that's kind of how that, that came about, sort of the idea to, to write a lower budget horror uh, and, you know, in that teenage sort of milieu, uh, that would probably get sold, and it did. Well, now, uh, Kevin, I do have to, let me also give credit to um, your uh, Michael Cooper Jr., who is uh, the uh, the boyfriend for, uh, for Tara, uh, yeah. you know, Carl. As the lone gay man here in this uh, group of, ho uh, of hosts, I was like, yowza, yowza, yowza. <laughs> uh, you know, I was like, this man is, 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 is gorgeous. And can we have like a couple of posing shots of him? But that scene, um, where, uh, is pretty intense where he actually gets, uh, sliced in the gut. It, it, it looked, uh, it looked like, and, but it seemed to me like, uh, uh, he wasn't your conventional, like heroic uh, heroic, you know, character. Um, he had a certain sense of individuality about it. Is that kind of how you wrote Carl? 
yeah, I, I really try to make a big effort here of trying to avoid certain cliches where, sure. you know, they don't, they don't call the cops, the cell phone's not working, or sure. or, or like, oh, the, the boyfriend is heroic and, you know, this or that. And in fact, that's in that scene, it's sort of like she takes the lead uh, looking for the killer. You know, it's sort of, mm -hmm. it, it's, it wasn't like I'm going to be there. It's sort of, so I try to avoid that. So... Oh, yeah, thanks for picking up that there there was this sort of uh, conscious decision to to sort of buck the trend, you know. And you actually also have uh, with Lizzie Broadway's character Susie, you introduce cutting, and yeah. I thought that that was that small scene of seeing her cutting herself uh, to me is more intensely unnerving and unsettling than many other scenes in not just this film, but in, in many other films. And I think that really speaks to the mental instability that you talk about throughout this movie. Yeah, it's, it, you know, look, being a teenager is tough. I mean, we kind of, I think we're all a little far away from it, but uh, it, it's a tough time. It's even maybe tougher now with social media and everything. And so try to tap into that. Uh, and in, in terms of the cutting, there's, you know, there's moments where you see blood on her shirt. And is that from her cutting or did she possibly do sure. something? Uh, the film also tries to play it as a bit of a murder mystery as well. So not only a, a horror uh -huh. film, but a bit of a whodunit. So at the end, you're you're wondering, is it Tara? Is it Lizzie? Is it the mother? Is it the father? Exactly. Uh, exactly. I just when I saw her doing the cutting on herself, I was just like, oh, no, don't, oh, no, don't, don't, ah, ah. You know, I, I was really reacting to the scene. Oh, great. That's yeah. That means we did the right thing. Yeah. Unnerving the audience. Thank you very much. That's the job of the horror <laughs> film. That's one of the things people forget too easily. I mean, people want a horror movie and they go, okay, I expect a certain amount of blood and some nudity. And that's all I really care about for the movie. Sure. And the movie can be so much more than just that. And we forget that horror should be well-written and should be should be scary. It doesn't necessarily have to be gross. It can be visceral without being overly bloody. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of, of the, you know, the, the torture porn sort of films and, and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of people like them and, and they're aficionados and you guys might like them, but it's kind of not my thing. I go for more like the It Follows, the Hereditary, uh, the, the the one that just came out, the Australian film, uh, Talk to Me, which I thought was phenomenal. Um, uh, these are films that really uh, resonate uh, with me. Yep. Yes, well, like I said, people are forgetting to uh, uh, remember that uh, the, there's all about it's about the horror. It's about the interaction of the characters, which takes a lot of work to write all these uh, different backgrounds for these. And you're making a whole new world. And I, I wanted to say you know, about Lizzie Borden, you know, uh, as one of the older people here, uh, my mother as a child would would have been happened just before her. I think w what year was Lizzie Borden? It was the late 1800s, 1874, I want to say. Yeah, so that actually to be just before grandmother, I think, and who talked about it a lot, and it, and it carried on quite the impression with my mother a lot. So you're right, being that this was a super crime of the time. 
this this said everyone talking forever but so yeah no uh yeah lizzie born the murders uh took place in uh, late uh 18, 1892 was uh she lived uh, all the way to 1927 so yeah your grandmother would have known about her uh, easily uh but the murders took place in 1892. so what else have you written besides movies have you written besides movies I, I, I write my documentaries. Uh, again, if you watch Shark Week or Shark Fest or PBS Nature, you've seen my work. Uh, if you go to Disney Plus, you could see some of my shark shows, Sharks versus Dolphins, nice. Jaws, Boats. We've uh, had PBS. some of the, uh, we've had uh, some documentarians on our show. And we just had, uh, what, a few months back, we had Steven Scarlatta uh, on who did uh, uh, a documentary about the history of uh, of the Jaws uh, history of the shark in Hollywood, and that was a lot of uh, a lot of fun. So we might have to have you back to talk. Shark oh, Week. I would love to. I did a Jaws yeah. documentary. Yeah, I did a Jaws documentary once. Uh, got nominated for a primetime Emmy and interviewed everybody associated with the film, including Mr. Steven Spielberg. Um, oh, fantastic! And, yeah, so uh, so I write my documentaries, and then uh, I, I write the screenplays. And then what happened, as you guys know, there was this writer's strike that came about. What? Uh, what? Yeah. What? What? Where? What? No. It was from. Uh, it was pretty long. It was from May to October, uh, and during that downtime, uh, I did walk the picket line here in New York. Uh, Good for but you. But I also started you. writing uh, short stories. Uh, you guys again are horror aficionados. Sure. Uh, the the horror short story has always been a, a, a sort of entry into films uh, for years uh, and years and years and years. Uh, and so I started writing short stories and ended up putting together a couple of uh, collections and published my first book uh, in November called Dread, which is a collection of short stories and. It went to number one on Amazon anthologies, and I just released my second anthology, yeah, called Creep, which came out uh, just yesterday, and it's already number one in anthologies or anthologies again. So, um, congratulations! So I, I the, yeah, thanks. I, I, so I, I love short stories, and I love horror short stories, uh, and so it was uh, using that downtime and channeling it into doing this new sort of type of writing, which is. Again, you guys are writers, so you know writing a screenplay is different from writing uh, sort of fiction prose, uh, which is different from writing a documentary. So it was learning and using different muscles each time. Well, it shows how unstable we are as writers when we have downtime. We reach for horror, you know, because <laughs> nothing takes care of the downtime like 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 blood and 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 dismemberment and bodies and zombies and vampires and werewolves and uh and so forth and slaughtering mayhem oh my god listen i i don't know where how it's the weather is where you guys are but here uh in new york uh i live uh right outside new york city long island we've literally had 10 straight days of clouds we have not seen the sun in 10 days which is like a bit soul crushing but boys are good for writing horror Yes, it is. That reminds me of 30 days of night. You, oh, you get yeah. the 30 oh, days. I love it. I love it. You Mother is from days. Long Island. Yeah. I have to say it's Long Guy Land. Long Guy Land. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's it there. It's a sunny, we had a sunny day where I am today. 
but well, I've I'm been jealous. To... Yeah, we're out in hey. California. So, oh, you dogs! Yeah. Oh, it was pissing rain yesterday. So, yeah, that's the way it is. California, you don't like the weather. Wait a minute, it'll change. And wait a minute, uh, I'm gonna tell you. I'll tell you that no less than John Carpenter loves to use California locations for horror films. Yeah, There's no, nothing. Halloween was shot in, in California. And so was, uh, you know, uh, so was um, Village of the Damned was shot. I, I would in, imagine in, them. In, I, I imagine Ray. them was probably shot in L.A. Right? Or they live, yes. not them. They live. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, John has often talked about you know the ordinariness uh, of, uh, of of California uh, is a really good hiding place for evil. Well, I mean, it's interesting now. Uh, I mean, and you guys, again, are familiar with this because of tax breaks uh, from all these different states. Everybody's shooting somewhere. I mean, we shot our film, The Inhabitant, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, even though it's set in Massachusetts. And, and you could watch the film and you would swear you're in Massachusetts. I mean, there's nothing that says or makes it feel like we shot that in, you know, the Southwest. Uh, so that... You know, that's why you see at the end of every film, you know, Georgia or Ohio or New Orleans. It's sort of um, it, films are being shot everywhere now. And, and it's sort of where you used to have to work in L.A. It, it's sort of I mean, New Mexico uh, is where Netflix has set up their big uh, studios. So it's sort of um, it, it's getting farther and farther and farther, more and more out of L.A. I am reminded of Vincent Price's, uh, I think it was The Witch Finder where they went to uh, film. It's supposed to be taking place in the 1700s, and they found a little town in Massachusetts where they had to take down three TV antennas, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. Back in the 1700s. Yeah, no, that's, it, it's, I mean, you'll find, you can find great locations anywhere, and, and it makes it so much easier when you can use practical sets. And for those listening, that means where you're not having to sort of build, where it's sort of like, wow, that house looks great. We don't have to do yeah. anything like a, a house in Massachusetts. Oh, that looks like it could be Lizzie Borden's house. You know, it's sort of like we don't have to do anything to that, but but put a sign in front of it. It has the white picket fence. It looks great. I, I mean, that, and that's what location scouting and, and having a great producer who's able to find a space in the place where you could get all this all in one place. I mean, that's that's movie magic and movie making. Very true. You know, you, you gotta find that perfect location because if you don't, it's gonna be like, do we really have to make that? Yeah, get well, to work. I, it's unrelated or maybe it's related to uh, the inhabitant, but I wanted to uh, extend a congratulations on making the blacklist, Kevin. That is quite an accomplishment. Well, I did make, uh, I didn't make the blacklist. I made the website where they featured I mean, going back, uh, rewinding a little, when you asked how did the, the film come about, uh, I did at one point put the script on, uh, there's the Blacklist website where you can put it up and you can get it, they they give you a rating. And if you get an eight or above, that's a big deal. Less than 3% of the scripts get that. And so I put that up on the Blacklist website and the script at that point was called Blood Relative, a little inside information. It was originally called Blood Relative and it, it got numerous eights. It, it kept on getting eights. The reviewers from the blacklist really loved it. And they ended up making a, it, uh, what's called a featured script where it got sent out to numerous uh, managers and producers and so forth. Uh, and so 
Um, that's sort of how it started there because that's when it started to generate its buzz when it was called Blood Relative. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, where can our uh, listeners follow you on the social media? I'm everywhere. Uh, uh, if you just Google my name, Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, Bacar, B-A-C-H-A-R, uh, I'll come up. I'm on Twitter at Kevin Pangolin. I'm on TikTok. Yes, I am on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> uh, I'm on... Um, Are you on I, Snapchat? I'm not on Snapchat, no, or MySpace. Or, you might be uh, the first guest to admit he's on TikTok. That's <laughs> I, right. No. Uh, you know, but uh, when you're, you're writing on, you're books, on Tinder, but that's a different thing, right? That's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. Uh, but uh, if you're writing books on TikTok right now, there's a thing called Book Talk, uh, and it's uh, they will promote your book, and you'll get views. And I, I put up little videos and so forth. So TikTok is is super important when you're writing books. But I'm on Instagram and Twitter and. And uh, YouTube, you'll find me on YouTube. Um, I got an IMDb page. Uh, you know, there's inhabited trailers. I'm on Disney Plus. I'm kind of all over the place. Just Google me. That is amazing. Well, uh, I wanted to thank you very much, Kevin, uh, for coming on. And uh, did you have a sound like you might have a last question, Kevin? Well, no, I was just wondering, he did, you did a documentary on one of my favorite subjects, John Belushi. Oh, and yeah. That was, wow. I have to check that out now. I, I have to. There's no question. I thought I'd seen everything about John Belushi and uh, you you have this documentary that I have not seen. You you, so, you have to you have to look at it It's and watch it. It's actually, it got nominated for a primetime Emmy. Uh, and we worked with uh, John's uh, widow, Judith, on it. She was the executive, uh -huh. co-executive producer. Uh, we interviewed basically everybody and anybody, from Judd Apatow to Harold Ramis to Dan Aykroyd. Uh, we interviewed everybody and anybody, Jimmy Fallon, people who were influenced by him, uh, uh, Tracy Morgan, uh, Glenn Robbins, everybody is, is interviewed in that film. Uh, well, see, cause that's tough because you get you interview, uh, you know, you, you interview Dan Aykroyd. You can't get him to shut up. Uh, you know, he. <laughs> I, yeah, he, that, that's true. But but when you're talking to him about something that's personal, right? It's different. You know, it's, it's hard, sort of huh? yeah, it's hard. If you're talking to him about you know aliens or, or or stuff like that, yes. But but when you're talking to him about his relationship with John. Uh, we, we talked to Carrie Fisher, we talked to Karen Allen, we talked to everybody. Right, because I, I imagine you're talking to, to Dan Aykroyd, and I've seen him in interviews. He just has you in tears laughing so hard um, if you're talking about subjects that are not personal. And yeah. uh, I could just see that, that that has to be, you got trouble getting anything seriously done. But this is going to be a, a documentary that I have to check out. I absolutely do. Yeah. I would highly recommend it. Like I said, it was nominated for a primetime Emmy for uh, Best Doc. Uh, and, and Jim Belushi, John's brother, we interview him, and he, he is phenomenal talking about his brother and mm -hmm. on that. And we look at how he started wow. his life and how he got into SNL and then movies and so forth. So it's it's if you're a John Belushi fan, I highly recommend it. Absolutely. I'm a fan. Thank you. All right, Al, you want to take us out? As always, watch horror films. Keep America strong. Have a good night, everyone.
I keep so, you wondering if Anthony, when Anthony says Al, you're going to take us out. I keep wondering if Al's going to like, you know, bring a, a, an Uzi somewhere and just take us out for real. You know, uh, like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll bring the hearse. There you hey, go. Thank you. Even better. Guys, thank you so much. You thank you all. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you very Wonderful much, Kevin. Thank you, sir.